the Gen Z generation, they're fantastic about people, right? Like they, as much as they're on their phones and people talk about how they don't know how to connect with one another in person, they're the generation I think that cares most about how somebody's doing on a personal level. And that is something that we're missing in our industry. We have forgotten that people are people and we started to treat them like machines. And that's taken a negative toll on our industry and we're losing people left and right all the time because of it. Welcome to Ambition Theory, Women in Construction. This show asks questions that everybody is thinking about but doesn't want to say out loud. It's about tackling complex topics like why are there so few women in senior leadership positions? What is it going to take to change this? Each episode is a combination of motivation and tactical strategies to get ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. We learn, grow, and create opportunities. I am your host, Andrea Jansen, a certified executive coach with an MBA, and since 2018, I've coached over a thousand construction professionals to level up their leadership. Let's get started. Catherine Hart guides others to pursue fulfilling and intentional career paths within the architectural, engineering, and construction industries. As founder and host of Space to Build, she advises others on navigating their roles on and off sites, leads community discussions on the real questions women have in the industry. In this conversation, we talked about what value younger millennials and Gen Z bring to the construction industry, how to connect and build relationships in unconventional ways, and the unfortunate truth that women don't always support other women and what can be done about that. I loved having this conversation with Catherine, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Do you know what the number one question we get when speaking to companies about our Leadership Accelerator program for women in construction? We already have an internal leadership program or a mentorship program available, which is great. But the thing is, these programs don't work the same way for women as they do for men. There are many reasons why, but the most striking one One that, if you're a woman listening right now, you'll probably recognize right away. It's the double bind. We did some research last year and found that 78% of women were told that if they wanted to accelerate their path to leadership, they needed to be more confident. But 70% of those same women were also told that they were being too bossy. Basically, as soon as a woman embodies the traits most typically associated with leadership in the construction industry, they're faced with negative feedback. This is the double bind. And this is why specialized training for women is needed. If you want to learn more about how our Leadership Accelerator program can help you address the double bind and many other obstacles women face on the path to leadership, please visit ambitiontheory.com forward slash LAP. Welcome, Catherine Hart, to Ambition Theory, Women in Construction. I am so excited that you are here today, that we are doing this interview. Can you introduce yourself and share what you do? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that we were able to schedule this. So my name is Catherine. I am the founder and podcaster 
over at Space to Build. And I'm also a business development manager for a local site work company. I love it. Can you talk about what you love about the construction industry? Oh, I want to default and say all of it, but I also know that's not true. But I think what I love the most about construction is the aspect of building community on both like a literal level and through developing a network. Okay, I love it. So like building, building, building things and building up people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I love that your podcast is called Space to Build because <laughs> you build up people and you're building things. I think that's really awesome. So we met through podcasting. So I discovered your podcast, started listening, connected with you on LinkedIn. I think you listened to my podcast. So we kind of knew each other mm-hmm. and we're connecting like on LinkedIn quite a bit. And then we met in real life and it was like, oh, there's my friend that I've known for 10 years, but we never actually met. So I'm so excited that we're kind of finally doing this because when I first listened to your podcast, I was like, I need to have Catherine on Ambition Theory Women in Construction. And it's taken us a while to get here, but I actually am so glad we're doing this now because I've gotten to know you so much more. And I think you've grown so much. Like your content has grown so much over the past little bit that I'm like, this is going to be such a great conversation that we're have to we're going to have today. But I want to go back to 2019 before you started Space to Build. So before you got into podcasting and wanted to support other emerging professionals, can you talk about what was going on for you? personally and professionally okay so 2019 feels like ages ago let's see i was working for a general contractor as a superintendent and i was doing a lot of interior fit out projects which is basically like office renovations data center renovations a lot of the inside work on a in a building on a personal level around that time just bought a house and I paid off my car. And I only bring that up because it just, it shows the opportunities that construction offers you even at a really young age. And I think that's something that's not talked about often enough. And I want to make sure that I say that so that maybe somebody listening to this can stop and think and be like, oh, wait, maybe this is an opportunity for me, but I haven't felt confident enough to approach it because I did not think I would have all this stuff taken care of between like 25, 26 years of age. But I did. I just, I looked, did a little bit more research and learned that the opportunities were available to me. And I, you know, this is all because of my experience in construction that been able to give me this opportunity. I love that you brought that up because traditionally construction is like not the type of industry people are encouraged to go into if they're looking for a lucrative career but literally like 25 26 you have a house your car is paid off that is pretty incredible and I don't think the average person would be in your situation at that age so that's really I know I know growing up I was like maybe I'll get that all in my 30s and I'm just like looking at it now I turned 30 in a couple of months and I'm like how did I get here this is like a dream come true this is a day one. So everything's working. Like you got the good job, the house, the car, like literally like check the box of society's expectations. Exactly. <laughs> beating them all. Okay. So you're beating them all. What, what was the motivation to start Space to Build? 
So despite like checking off those like big items, there's still a part of me that just felt kind of incomplete. Like I just, I needed to do something else, right? For the people who know me, I'm overly ambitious and I keep myself incredibly busy, but I just, I could not let this idea go to save my life. And I had this ever since I left college, right? It was, there's obviously organizations like the National Women, I'm sorry, the National Association of Women in Construction or NAWIC for short which is a professional organization for women in construction. And it's a fantastic organization, but I still felt isolated in construction. And I'm not sure how, because they're surrounded by women. But over time, I started to realize that so many of the opportunities that were being shared with me didn't hit where I was in my career. And you know, and then COVID hit and things got even funkier. So it's like, I couldn't find the resources that I wanted because I was an emerging professional who wanted to learn things like how does a sprinkler system work or what's scheduling versus like a lot of these softer skills and oriented topics that I found a lot of new events covered at that time. And then COVID hit and we were all in this like weird isolated area. And so it's like, I wanted to figure out how to bridge those gaps. And that's kind of how I started working towards space to build. Okay. So I'm really curious about this. And is this a generational thing? Because I'm clearly older than you. So it's just really interesting that you came, there were all these existing organizations and that you were like, I'm a lot different. What do you think it is that's different about your generation versus the people that came before you? So... I fall under the millennial generation and I feel like it's like the bottom end of it. So with that generation being such a widespread, it's like I I could relate to the people that still fell on the top end of the early end of that. But I also grew up in the era of chat rooms and things of that nature where you're used to having these dialogues online and you develop friendships that way. So that's kind of, that was in the back of my mind. And that was a c- comfort area for me. And that's what I had time for, quite honestly, because for the longest time, I was so busy working and putting in so many hours that I didn't want to go out to events. And I would sporadically do that with Nawick. And I never regretted once I got there. But the whole process of getting there was like the biggest headache and I had to like have the time and the energy and the money set aside to do all of that and I realized I wanted something easier I wanted to be able to like hop online and connect with somebody on my own time like a schedule that worked for me and that's like the beauty of technology is you respond when you have time to respond and it just it fit more what I was looking for I, I actually love that insight, that idea that because construction is all about relationships and who you know, but kind of the perspective that I love that you bring to the table is like, you don't need to be golfing to build that relationship. Like there's so many other channels that you can do it. And that's what I love about the younger generation coming in is like opening up this place that like we could become friends online right and feel like we know each other we've known each other forever but we only actually met in person a few months ago and Mm -hmm. shifting that because I just think it opens up so many more opportunities so I love 
that aspect of it. So I wanted to talk about like, so this challenge that you felt like you felt disconnected because like the channels, the channels for building relationships were like, this is not jiving with my lifestyle. This is not jiving with what I'm used to. What are some of the other challenges that kind of like the younger, I guess the younger millennials and then the next generation, the Gen Zs are facing as they come into the industry? couple there. I would say one would be burnout. I know that's not necessarily millennial or Gen Z specific, right? We all go through it. But, and I think even then, Gen Z's got a better handle on the concept of burnout than like a millennial does. But we all go in bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to go, fully ambitious, and dedicate a lot of our like time into the real world and to establishing a career. And then we get caught up in the grind of it. And then we think, okay, well, my boss is doing this and they're working overtime, so I should work overtime. And if that's just the norm, then this is just is what it is. But it's understanding how to stop and kind of reflect on that and take a step away and say, no, (laughs) I'm not here to give you 60 hours a week. I'm here for the 40. I'm able to use my PTO. Like that's all accessible to me and I need to learn to utilize it. So I think that's one issue. I think another common issue is the level of, I don't think disrespect is the word I want to use, but it's pretty similar to that. You know, you have a young person who walks into a room and you're immediately dismissed because you are young. And in some people's situations, it's because you're a woman on top of that, or because you're Black or Latina or something that doesn't look like the standard copy and paste version that's in the room. So that's really hard to navigate as somebody young in the industry. And then another one, I think, is more COVID-related. For example, I have a friend who she graduated school and had to start working remotely because she graduated in the midst of all this, like, pandemic on top of the fact that her company's office was actually going through a renovation so she didn't have a choice but to work from home and you know she was just like I can't just go next door to the next office and ask somebody a question like I almost have to schedule meetings or I have to wait for a long reply to come back to me or you know I can't network I can't I want to see somebody face to face and as much as we love our technology we also care about the person side of it all like we want to connect with people in person so one thing i've noticed is that the construction industry has been a little bit slower to adopt the flexible work environment within other industries and you talked about kind of like the younger generation wanting to connect online wanting to connect in person having these multiple ways of working, of being with people. Do you think that's something that is going to prevent the next generation from wanting to work in the industry? Yeah, because I think it is what's going to better the industry because we've already, as an industry, have made huge strides in technology and that's only going to continue to grow. Especially when you've got generations that are very passionate about implementing technology to different aspects of their life. And the Gen Z generation, they're fantastic about people, right? Like they, as much as they're on their phones and people talk about how they don't know how to connect with one another in person, 
they're the generation I think that cares most about how somebody's doing on a personal level. And that is something that we're missing in our industry. We have forgotten that people are people and we started to treat them like machines. And that's taken a negative toll on our industry. And we're losing people left and right all the time because of it. I actually love that you brought it back to the burnout piece, right? It's like, okay, we're burnt out because of this assumption of like 60 hours a week. This is what we're doing. But then I actually want to, I'm really curious about what you said. You said like, I want where the younger generation is like, I have 40 hours to give, but I think they have so much more to give. It's like, I have that human connection. I have this sense of purpose, which I've done research about the generations and like the Gen Z, the younger millennials, they want a sense of purpose. They want a sense of connection. They want a sense of belonging at work. And it's like, yeah, I won't be able, like, I'm not willing to give you 60 hours of a week, but I am willing to bring my authentic self to work. And if we're open to it, like the younger generation, I think can be that role model of like, you know, peeling back the layers a bit and like looking kind of below the surface as to like what unique strengths each individual brings to the table because I feel like the mentality of like that 60 hour of the week mentality it's like you said it it's like the copy and paste idea of the ideal worker and I think that's really as you're talking that's what the next generation can bring Mm -hmm. and it's like it's scientifically shown that it's not productive to work over time that there's so much more productivity when you have rest built into your schedule and you can walk away. Like you process solutions to problems so much better. And you give yourself a vacation, a break to go have a life. And then you get to come back energized. And if the culture's right, you get to be, like you said, authentically yourself. And the beauty of the direction of the workplace and the ideas that are brought in to people coming into the workforce or boundaries and say, no, I'm not going to slave my life away. I'm going to create some more balance in my life and I'm going to put my foot down for it. I actually love that you're bringing up boundaries because that's a one thing in like every leadership book I've read in the past 10 years talks about boundaries and like everybody's talking about boundaries Boundaries is a solution to all these things, but we haven't really been that great at implementing them in the workplace. So can you talk about like, how do people, how do you actually implement having boundaries? What are some ways? Be firm in how you communicate what you want and not being wishy-washy, right? Like it's what is that saying where you like give somebody an inch and they take a mile? Same concept of like scope creep. You start giving your client a little bit of something extra. They're going to expect you to always give them that something extra. And then they're going to expect a little bit more. And you've got to protect what your resources are and say, no, I'm sorry. This is this is my plate right now, depending on what your situation is. If somebody's coming up to you and saying, hey, I need you to take on these extra tasks because somebody quit. And you're like, okay, well, I don't mind helping you out, but we're going to have to prioritize what comes first and what I need to put aside because I'm not going to be able to give you all of these items on the plate at the time that you need it. You know, and it's like, if you've got 
something scheduled for vacation and it's already on the calendar and it's been there for months, stand by it. You know, if you've already warned people that you're not going to have access to email or phone call or whatever, don't answer it. Quite frankly, like to be honest, if there is an emergency, you can't do anything if you're at a channel. <laughs> you are not the point of contact at that point. But what you can do is set the person up for success who's going to come in and sub for you. So I put in a little bit of work on that end where I'm like, okay, here, here's what needs to get done. I'll create a whole spreadsheet. In case of an emergency, here's this information here. If you desperately like need an answer out of me, shoot me a text. And if I've got time, I will respond back to you. Right. So it's like you're giving them something to work with. And then you're like, here's my boundary. I will do my best if I feel like it, if I need to breach it. But what I've come to realize is that more often than not, you don't need to. Like whatever the issue is, most likely can wait till you get back. Yeah. And you don't get that text, right? What I've heard from you is like, okay, if it's a real emergency, call me. But if you let people know that you're there, they feel supported to figure it out on their own. And most of the time Mm -hmm. they figure it out and it's all fine. But you said something really interesting, priorities. And one thing I've noticed with the clients that we work with is we have this exercise called the boulders versus the pebbles. So pebbles are like little small things that you could pick up with your hands and throw. Like imagine you're throwing them in the water. They make little tiny ripples. A boulder is like a big rock. You could use all your energy. You pick it up. It takes longer. You throw it in. It makes a big splash. makes a big impact. Everybody notices it. But whereas the pebbles, no one really notices. And we get people to make a list. What's your to-do list? And then we ask them to decide, like, which ones are boulders and which ones are pebbles. And I will tell you, Catherine, so many people come back and they say, Andrea, everything's a boulder. And the thing is, like, I think we've lost the ability to see what is really a priority. And that's where the scope creep, that's where the 60-hour weeks come in is when we're like, we don't actually see what is important and what is the priority and what could actually wait or like even what could actually not even be done. Like, What can we just get rid of and still move forward? So many people I know even are like, they, they talk about like, I got to get on my emails. Like I got to inbox zero. I'm so such a success today. But if you think like the impact of like, what is the impact of getting through your emails? Like this, I think there's the challenge is like, we have this inability to prioritize. And I know I'm going on and on, but what do you think about that angle of it? To be told, sometimes I have a hard time prioritizing, but I've come to realize there were a ton of pebbles in my life, like a ton. And sometimes those pebbles are just a lot more fun to tackle than boulders. And to be perfectly honest, but yeah, we do tend to think everything's a huge fire, especially in construction where everything's like it needs to be done yesterday. And it's like, well, does it really? Or more importantly, could we have avoided this stress here? Could we have tackled this issue weeks ago? And to be honest, usually, yeah, we could have set a lot of these things in motion early on because it's not like we, for most superintendents, it's not your first job anymore. It's not actually not your first job that you've run by yourself. It's not your first job you've ever set foot on before. 
if you just think back to all the projects that you have been on, there are so many things that you're like, well, crap, we couldn't have covered this beforehand. So like going into your next project, take those issues you've had in your last project and tackle them before you even sign a contract. Like be proactive on what you know are common projects on a job so that you're not dealing with unnecessary last minute stress. When I started Ambition Theory over five years ago, I knew that if we genuinely wanted to make the construction industry inclusive for women, that change needed to start at the top. But five years ago, nobody was ready to hear this message. Something has shifted recently, though, and it's really exciting. Organizations are reaching out because they want us to do a presentation for their leadership teams and in some cases, the entire company. They see that up until now, the burden of change has rested entirely on the shoulders of women. If this message speaks to your association or company, we want to hear from you. Visit ambitiontheory.com forward slash book a call to learn how you can book a presentation for your organization. Okay, I love it. So it's like, honestly, the boulders are like the things that like you could do like bigger things that you can get done so then you're not leaving them to the last minute and when everything is a boulder it's like everything's a fire and then you're just crazy and you're not able to leave and you're getting calls on vacation so I want to talk about um the shift that you are creating like the shift even in mindset in the way that we do business like through space to build so one thing I noticed I saw a LinkedIn post of you a couple months ago of you on a hike and it was like a networking event for the construction industry. And I was like, interesting. I have never seen that before. And I love hiking. And that is amazing. So can you talk about how you've kind of created these opportunities for people to connect that are not conventional? Yeah. So construction, I feel like when you go to a construction event, you're either golfing or you're drinking. And I tried golfing. And I hate those events with the passion. I have to find other things to go and like distract myself with when I go on golfing out, outing. Drinking, I don't mind, right? But then I also know that there's a lot of people who don't drink for one reason or another. And it makes some people uncomfortable or creates an issue of how I'm, how am I getting home from this networking event? Or will I make a fool out of myself? And a lot of like unnecessary, uncomfortable feelings that get associated with that for some people. And I realized we could just think outside the box. Like, what do we do to go hang out with our friends? How else do we bond with people? So with the group that was at that event, you know, they're kind of more the outdoorsy type. They want to go hiking. They love being outside in the fresh air, not wearing boots, just relaxing, bringing their dogs with them, a whole different vibe. And that just allowed people to kind of see each other on a personal level and get to know each other better that way. The other things that we've done are just simple round tables, right? And it's just we get women who some of them might know each other. Some of them have never talked to each other. And we just get vulnerable. We find a topic that's pretty overarching that we can all relate to, walk through some general points, and then we start breaking it down on a personal level. And it's become what we kind of consider like, like a therapy session. We get to rant, we get to open up, 
Sometimes there are legitimate tears that happen, but it becomes such a good opportunity to connect with one another and to show support and build those relationships that, you know, you feel heard in. And then you get to go to work with them the next day. And it's, it's awesome. Oh, I love it. And so I love that you said, like, you get to go to work with them the next day and it's authentic. Like, that is so powerful. And I love that you're doing that. But I'm really curious if you've gotten any backlash about these unconventional ways of networking. Not really. I know for some people, it was kind of weird to cater towards a different demographic. For some people, it was kind of weird stretching out of like the drinking and the golf scene and catering towards certain topics. But I'm very much about finding my my type of people. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to throw all of these ideas out there and either people are on board or they're not. And they're not on board. I'm okay with that personally. And I found that I'm definitely not alone in this idea of trying to network on a different level to where we get to look at each other as another human being. I love, love, love that you're bringing the human aspect to it. So I'm curious about what the vision is for Space to Build and kind of like bringing this human aspect to the construction industry. So Space to Build, for the most part, has all been more of a virtual experience. A lot of the things that I do in person tend to be for our new Nova chapter. And it's something that kind of comes hand in hand. It gives me an opportunity to play with different ideas. So one of the things I'm hoping for with Space to Build is one day I want to do a weekend retreat that's in person. And I want to figure out what are the fun networking opportunities that we can utilize in this retreat, which is where those experiences through NAWIT really, I think, are going to come in handy. But on a broader scale, I want Space to Build to be more than just a podcast, more than an online community. I want it to also be a resource center. For people who are coming into the industry, whether they're coming from an apprenticeship, coming from college, or even just switching to a, from a different industry, I want them to know that there's a place that they can come to ask questions, learn about the technical side of construction, learn about career development, and also dive into mental health because that's such a, an important part of being a human being, to be honest. But also, it's so crucial to keep an eye on that as you're navigating a career in construction because it is a very strenuous career path to follow. I actually love one thing you said, and you said this earlier in the interview when you when you're like thinking about the stuff that you wanted to learn and you said you wanted to learn the technical things. You said it like I want to learn how a sprinkler system works. And I think when people specifically come into the industry from another career It's like this assumption, there's a, you know, you said it, there's like copy and paste. This is what it takes to be successful. And usually that's like, you know, 10 years experience kind of that you worked your way up is that stereotypical way to be successful. But if someone's coming in from another industry, they don't know the words, they don't know the acronyms. So I actually love that you're making this about like a space for like personal development and like the human side, but also recognizing that you know what? There are technical things that you just don't know. And this is a place where we're going to teach you that, where like you can ask a question and there's no such thing as a stupid question because sometimes that feeling, if you're around people that have been in the industry for 10, 15 years, 
and they're, you know, talking about something technical and you're like, I have no idea what that word means. And be having a place where you can ask those questions where people are actually feeding you that information. So I love that about space to build and like what you as like a unique human bring to the industry, like this fusion of like, yeah, you do actually need to know these technical things. And like, here's the human aspect of it. And like, when you bring it together, it's like, let's literally like build each other up. I just, I just love that about you. So I want to shift the conversation a little bit to talk about your own journey and your kind of like own career path. So something we talked about in person when we met at the NAWIC conference was at the National Association of Women in Construction Conference. And Visionary and I talk about a lot of things, but one of the things that that is like a stat that we got from our research was the double bind. So women, when they get feedback about their leadership skills, they're told, you know what, you need to be more confident. You want to get to the next level, but then you start acting confident, you're directive, you're assertive, you're giving direction. Then people say, you know what, you're being too bossy, you're being too aggressive. Can you tone it down? And you got to walk this tightrope. And it's really hard to know how to behave. And I remember we talked about it and you said, Andrea, that describes my career. Talk about that, please. Yeah. So when you had brought that up during your presentation, all I could do was think of sitting next to one of my previous bosses and it'll be small things. Like he'll tell me in the morning, hey, at 2 p.m., make sure we have our team meeting. And I go, okay, sure, whatever, not a big deal. So then, yep, like 1.55 comes around. Hey, you know, it's almost two o'clock. When I get ready for the meeting, just giving you the heads up. And I'll even do like a, like 30 minutes before. I'll be like, oh, you know, as you're getting on this call, don't forget, we have a meeting in 30 minutes. And like, sometimes he'd look at me like, kind of give me a weird look. Or without looking at me, he goes, you're being bossy. And I'm like, I'm literally reminding you to do the thing you wanted me to remind you this morning. So like, I don't know what you want. Right. And then it's like, it's, it's so, so confusing because. On the other hand, you come up through the industry and if you're timid and you're quiet, people are like, you need to be more aggressive. You're not going to be cut out to be in the field if you're so quiet. And so that's like, okay, I'll take that to heart. Then I implement it. And then I run into like a roadblock because someone doesn't like it. But then if I go back the other direction, somebody else doesn't like this. And I'm like, you know what? I'm so tired of trying to please people. It is unfortunately one of those like gender biases that we deal with too right like as women you're expected to be a certain way but as somebody in construction you're also supposed to be a different way so how do we blend those two things together and it's honestly something i've struggled with pretty much my whole career i think the first real big example of that that kind of almost actually honestly it just crushed me was when i was at one of my internships it was my second one. So it was the internship right before my senior year of college. And I took my first full-time job. And I had had so much fun at this internship. I made friends across the company. I knew the president. I could say hi to him without being uncomfortable. I could walk into his office. And this isn't some small local GC. This is a national GC. And so I developed all these really cool relationships made opportunities for myself, 
connected with the CFO. And the CFO was just honestly asking questions because I was in his office helping him with something that he needed. And he goes, you know, do you see yourself working here? And at that time, I was just like, yeah. I mean, it's been a really cool experience. I think it would be be amazing to continue this experience here. And so this got back down to my VP. And on the very last day of my internship, she told me that I was too aggressive and that I went over her head on things. And all I can do is think of, well, I just created opportunities for myself. I slightly and professionally interacted with higher ups in the company and they, I think, wanted to have these conversations with me. And so to be sitting here in front of the person in charge of whether or not I could get a final offer on a future job there to have them tell me that I'm too aggressive was kind of shocking. And then she proceeded to tell me that, you know, when she was coming up, she was a pencil pusher. She didn't like her first job. So why should I like my first job? (laughs) You know, being the emotional person, I am, I'm either going to talk back or I'm going to cry. I was in a situation where I definitely was not going to talk back. So I removed myself, went up to my friend in HR, sat down and just cried. So I was like, I don't understand. My counterpart over in another department who's a male did all these other things. He's got a job offer. What on earth did I do wrong? And that made such a lasting impact on me that when I started out on my full-time job, I was so timid. I was afraid to speak up. I was afraid to adventure outside of my bubble until I knew I had people that actually wanted me to speak up and adventure outside that bubble. That is an incredible story. So did you end up working at that company or you got a job at a different one? No. So with the way their hiring process worked, that VP had to recommend me. But it was it was kind of funny because it was like, well, I don't even want to be in her department. I actually wanted to be in another department where I knew that VP definitely liked me. And the type of work were like bucket list item work. So it ultimately didn't work out, but I'm okay with that, right? Because I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for all the other subsequent experiences I had after that. Yeah. So it's like that saying, like people don't choose a job, they choose a leader. And it sounds like that leader was not the right fit for you. But it's so interesting that you bring that up because like you're bringing up another big elephant, which is women don't always support other women. And I like to believe that like nobody wakes up in the morning and is like, I'm going to crush another woman today. Like I'm going to make that intern on my team cry. (laughs) No one wakes up in the morning wanting to do that intentionally. And I really believe it's that scarcity mentality, like this VP that when you see that behavior, it's like, I made it. I need to be in protect mode. And it was hard for me. So it has to be hard for, for other people. And that doesn't help anybody. It just reinforces the stereotypes that we have. And I think it's really we need to look at it like an opportunity. Like, wow, if you think about the shift in the mindset, instead of feeling threatened by you, which I think that behavior really is a testament of like that VP was feeling threatened because you had built relationships in the company and they probably were like, I want those relationships with 
the CFO. Like I want to, I want to be in that position. And if you flip the script, it's like, wow, look at the relationships that Catherine's developed. Imagine she was on my team. Imagine what we could accomplish together. And if you could really like in that moment of feeling threatened, really flip the script in your mind of looking at it as an opportunity. I just think, imagine what would have been possible for that department if if that was the situation, if you approach it from that place of abundance instead of scarcity. Yeah, but I I also understand that sense of like that threatening sense of somebody coming up behind you. And I think maybe it's also because I went through that experience. I also get where she's coming from. I remember being actually in a couple of companies that I worked for. I was the youngest person there. I was the youngest female there. So then when another female walked into the room, she was brand new into the industry. There was a part of me that would just like bundle up and tighten up. And I felt threatened. And then I'd have to sit there and be like, why do I feel threatened? When at that point, I had already learned through one of my own mentors who happens to also be a woman. And I guess in, you know, the language that you use, she was one of my first sponsors, right? So she was always looking for opportunities to raise me up. And she is also constantly the person that said, you know, train your replacement, like find somebody that can do what you're doing now so that you can move up. And once I realized that, I was like, wait a second, there's so much room for everybody here. I can't feel threatened because this person just graduated from school and wants to do what I wanted to do a year ago or two years ago or whatever. Like I was literally just in her shoes. So once I kind of had my own little pep talk, I would usually walk up to her and let her know that if she needed something, I was there. If we were on the project team together, it was, hey, come on over, look at what I'm doing so that we can start, you know, integrating you into these other topics that you can make yourself a little bit more well-rounded. Because I was realizing that my boss was giving me opportunities to grow in ways that my counterparts in other teams weren't getting. And I had no idea until like after I started talking to them about what type of tasks they were performing on their project teams. And I was just like, okay, clearly my my mentor, my boss, she's got it figured out. Like, this is how I need to continue treating the people who come up behind me. Oh, you brought so much up in that story. So the first piece is like that feeling threatened, which is normal because there's like when you can't see a lot of people like you in those positions, of course you feel threatened and it's usually unconscious. But then when it comes conscious, you realize you're like, huh, I decide my behavior, right? Yes, I'm thinking this thing and it's easy to judge ourselves when we think that way and feel bad about ourselves. But it just is, it's just the way our society is. But I love that you took that moment to unpack it. And then you decided, you were like, I could, I get to decide right now. And I, am I going to reinforce the stereotypes? And I'm going to, you know what? I never had a role model two years ago. And now this person has me as a role model. So you could decide, I'm going to make it hard for this person or I'm going to be the role model I never had. And I love mm-hmm. that you you chose to be that role model because It's so amazing when there's not a lot of examples of like just two years ahead. A lot of people, they just are looking for that leader that's one one step ahead of them. And having you there, like being that example is probably so powerful for those people coming up behind you. And 
you didn't have to be bitter that you didn't have it. And then eventually, like you didn't have it in your internship, but then you found the right place where you did have that manager that's like looking for those opportunities, building you up, training you as their replacement so that they could advance too. I love that that story. And I love that you're in hindsight can talk about seeing sponsors in your life and in your development because no one ever teaches us that's how it works, right? You get ahead because people create opportunities for you. And having that awareness now, I love that you shared that. So Kathy, this has been such a great interview. I am wondering if you could talk about an action that people can take. So we always end our podcast with a 24-hour action. That's like a baby step that people can take to apply what they learn. So I want you to look at it through the lens of an emerging professional, someone that's just like, I'm new. Maybe there's not a lot of role models. I'm really, you know, want to be this human at work. I want to bring the human side of me to work. What's a great first step to do that? Sitting down with somebody for coffee or lunch, right? If lunch is too much of a time commitment and somebody's busy, just, hey, can we grab a cup of coffee for the first few minutes of the day and just chat, right? And start developing those relationships early on and to be honest, I think like most people are still kind of waking up in the first like 30 minutes of work anyways. Or alternatively, I remember when I was in the office, had this one friend, she would literally go around to everybody's desk and just say good morning. You know, she was like, is there anything you need today? She would just check in. And I think that was really kind because as you were going through your work and you felt really hectic, you're like, you know what, maybe she could help me with this or give me some advice or something to help me navigate this so it's not as stressful. And then you kind of get up out of your chair and you go find her office and you say, hey, I'm stuck with this. What do you think I should do next? And she would stop what she was doing and just respond back to you. Oh, I love it. Like connect, 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 either through coffee, just saying good morning. I love those little small things that people can do. So how do people connect with you and Space to Build? So I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, I'm trying out Twitter, and it's all at, under the at space to build handle. If you want to look at the website, it's space to build.co. And then if you want to listen to the podcast, it's on any major platform Spotify, Apple, Google, you name it, it's there. And it's just, again, space to build. I keep it super easy. You can Google my name or Google space to build, and resources will show up for you. Awesome. And on LinkedIn as well. Oh, yeah. So we're also on LinkedIn and it's Catherine Hart. If you want to find me individually on LinkedIn and you're always, always welcome to shoot me a message on any of those platforms. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today, Catherine. And I am so excited about what's next for Space to Build. Thank you so much. And it was so much fun being here today. Hey, before you go, I wanted to take a minute to read a review of our podcast. This review comes from Charmaine on LinkedIn. I discovered this jam a few days ago and I have been listening ever since. It's gotten to the point where I'll take notes when I hear something that I really like because I did not realize how hard I resonated with so many of the things that were said through the speakers and the hosts. Ambition Theory is a really well thought out series discussing the things we've traditionally shied away from, don't discuss enough of, or maybe even never considered, all in the construction industry. 
The narrative about us not speaking up enough or not having enough opportunities is slowly working towards solutions-based models. However, there are still fundamental issues that drive us from reaching our full potential beyond these items. And I love the framework that is presented through these episodes that bring not just solutions for people in power, but bite-sized approaches for the listener who is aiming at continuous self-improvement. Even though the podcast puts an emphasis on women in construction, I think it's an amazing listen for any individual wanting to grow. We could do so much more if we worked with each other instead of against each other. Thank you so much for that generous review. We really love hearing from our listeners. And I'm wondering if I can ask you a favor. Can you take a minute and leave us a five-star review and a comment on Apple Podcasts? That really helps us to get the word out so that we can keep making episodes for you for free. Thank you for listening.